0: Sings by Moon looked down at his arm, the scales already bloody and bruised. One more hit like that, he might not ever use that arm again. But there was no time for a potion. The bandits were on him again. Had death finally come for him, in some swamp somewhere in Skyrim? He thought of Morrowind, of Black Marsh, of home. He thought of Sithis, the god who had abandoned him. The Argonian hissed in anger. A flick of the wrist, and his dagger was in hand, his good hand. He drove it up under the nearest bandit's chin this be damned. Bandits be damned. Skyrim be damned. He was not going to die here. Welcome back to the Pretenders Guild. This is a Elder Scrolls role-playing podcast. My name is Chris.
1: My name is Dylan.
0: And this is the third episode of what we're calling the Ebenhard Arc, chronicling our characters Stings My Moon, the Argonian Assassin, yes. and uh, Nilfane Nilseril, the uh, Dark Elf Assassin. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pretenders Guild, and we have a website that I'll link in the show notes when this is eventually real. So, do you have anything to, to say before we dive into our
1: stories? No, not really, except that this is. This has actually been a lot of fun, and it's been a cool way for me to enjoy playing Skyrim mm-hmm. for the millionth time. Like we talked about in the first episode, yeah, how we've all we both played that game like inside it out, and now I'm finding ways to enjoy it because I've, I'm thinking of like, oh, yeah. how am I gonna add this into how am I gonna interpret this into this like this cool like uh, narrative I've been playing out. So uh, I recommend people do the same thing yeah. and send us your stories. Do some things. Okay. So sings by moon. so the last time we left him off he was going to sleep for the third time uh, or for the third night since completing the dark ritual and assassinating the, the leader of that orphanage in Riften and so he, he murdered and, and sacked the uh, owner of the alchemy shop in Whiterun and went to bed where he had uh, this a dream so he had a dream the first night then a dreamless second night and then this third night, he has a dream of uh, of the sky, and it's like kind of half night with these like purple and bu- blue hues behind this like twinkling starlight. And against the night sky is like a thick settlement of trees. The sound of a single caw, hundreds of crows descend from the branches in this swirling pattern, mystifying and confusing him. He's unable to move, yet his consciousness like shifts forward into the sky as the light disappears behind him, under a veil of total darkness. He hears a feminine voice whisper to him, How lucky. And he wakes up. No sign of any dark brotherhood, uh, couriers, or anybody. Nothing. For the third night. And it's at this point that he doesn't even really consider the dream he just had. He maybe thinks it's some sort of weird just premonition or some weird uh, manufacturing of his subconscious or whatever. But... He, all he knows is that it's, it's not happening. The Dark Brotherhood has passed him up. Sithis has passed him up. And for the first time, he is 100% completely empty. Just no... He just literally just sits at the foot of his bed in the inn in Whiterun, having, I, think, I believe, spent the last, his last bit of coin on that room, staking everything on this. It just sits there, not even... He's not even angry, like, visibly. He just sits there calmly and empty with a blank stare until he hears jovial laughter from downstairs and then all of a sudden it just sets him off and he just starts smashing the shit out of his room. He's, he's just overcome with this fury uh, and just starts smashing all the, the potions and the books and immediately just takes off out the door and leaves the city of Whiterun. He's... Immediately, like he's a very reactive person or, I mean, he can still, he's proactive and reactive, but he's all about what's, what's next. What am, what am I going to do? Even in a dark pit of despair um, with seemingly nothing left to do, he decides, uh, well, he has to go back to Morrowind now. It's the only way. He, is the only, he, he has basically no money. He's been uh, put in danger many times being unarmored and with, without his, like, actual arsenal that he was used to. And he has a, a bounty there waiting for him, or, like, a, a purse from the job that mm-hmm. he's done. and But he's a he's afraid to go back to this uh, the city of Windhelm, where he, he was previously, because he's committed two murders in the cities <laughs> in the last three nights. So there's clearly... Uh, and he had heard whispers of his murders, like, on his way out from, from the last time when he was heading down... Uh, self toward, toward how he ended up to Whiterun. And he knows that that's where there's like an, an accessible pass through the mountain range that's uh, connecting or that's separating Skyrim from Morrowind. Mm-hmm. And so it's easily accessible and it's more, it's more of like a a, a pop, uh, yeah, very populated border. But he knows that you can just cross the mountain range in any way you want and get across the border. And from there he'll be in Morrowind and he can navigate to his home.
0: It's interesting that he's, been killing in Windhelm when there's also a serial killer in Windhelm?
1: There is, the butcher. And then <laughs> so he's he he considered that, and he was like sort of muddying the waters, but now he's thinking he doesn't want to... He's the new face in town. He doesn't want to end up getting caught for his own crimes doesn't, as well. Yeah, he doesn't want to get pinched. Yeah, doesn't want to get pinched for some schmuck who's, who's uh, I mean, apparently evading danger enough. But uh, so he reasons that he has to get back to Morrowind, and... Mm-hmm. and going back north is probably a bad idea so he decides he's gonna head south south of uh Windhelm, and try to find like an accessible pass along the mountain range so as he's traveling like for the better part of a day the rain starts to fall and he's wearing he's wearing still this regular clothing like a a green uh black cloth shirt with like these lace kind of like lace up just nice, in the front. A nice little jerkin. Yeah, he's got these like weird like just almost three, doublet three quarter. It's not as it's not a nice it's not doublet. A doublet. It's not like a leather doublet. It's like just kind of just goofy. Uh, it's a tunic. Goofy, just a tunic. Yeah, and he's got these <laughs> these like uh, weird like cloth pants that don't exactly fit him right because he stole them from, right. from an elf who he killed. Who doesn't have a tail? Yeah, he has no tail exactly, and he just has this cut makeshift tail out of there. So it's it's been it's been interesting for him but he's been getting just soaked by this rain. And as he's, he's trying his best to like, kind of remain in the shadow as he's walking. And he all of a sudden gets, uh, he hears this noise from behind him. He's like, oh, what is that? And, <laughs> from, and as he turns to his right from his left, he gets a club, like a, a mace, like just clubbed by this, uh, this, just force just knocks him right over, and he's knocked on the ground. And all of a sudden, you can see three bodies standing up in front of him. And they appear to be like bandits of some kind. They're wearing this like f- this sort of hide armor and leather co- concoctions of leather and a uh, weird, weird ragtag-looking people. Uh, and one of them's got a mace. He can sort of make out one of them has a sword, and he just starts rolling around, uh, swinging his tail, trying to like catch them, catch like their footing off. So he's he feels instantly like on his arm where he was hit with the mace. Just this. He can feel like there's pieces of flesh missing, and his left arm is not reacting the way that it normally would, uh, so he, in his haste of being on the ground, just manages to swing around and pull out his, one of his daggers with his right hand, and he's trying his best to sort of remain, in it's dark, it's raining, or well, it's cloudy, it's not night yet, but it's raining, and he's trying to stick by the shadow, he's in sort of a thick, a thick not really, more like a marshland. It's uh, starting to like transition into like marshland as it's gotten further south, <laughs> and there's lots of like brush and stuff like that. So he's been trying to like weave in and out of that and take cover as he's dodging all of these like these strikes, and he gets in very very close contact with one of the assailants, who is trying to like overpower him and like grapple him, and he manages with his right hand to just sneak his dagger up like right through his chin, <laughs> and kills this one uh bandit and pushes him off his blade but immediately realizes that took that took a lot of adrenaline and energy and he felt it and he's feeling the pain from his left arm so he knows the adrenaline is fading and he really doesn't have many options so he hightails it he takes it he <laughs> just takes off he starts running through the swamp lands and realizes he's leaving a trail of blood and so he decides he's gonna try to stay uh, as in as like much of a water, like as high as high of water as he possibly can, to try to cover up his blood trail. And so he hears the it sounds, like you know, trailing from behind. But he's using all his agility, and he's used to the marshes. He's used mm-hmm. to this terrain, um, or at least like instinctually used to it, because the the part of Morrowind he's from is similar to it, and the black marsh, the parts bits of black marsh he's been to, he sort of innately understands how to navigate. Uh, and after a while, the the sound of his pursuers fades and he's finds himself sort of i don't know I mean, he's he's still he's still heading south and it's starting to get a little darker but he finds himself like in a uh, kind of a state of peace for a second hmm. for a brief moment he's he's undercover uh he's unseen and he is just sort of uh trotting through this swamp land uh he's finding lots of alchemical like ingredients lots of different flora that he's that he's been uh, seeing in books and stuff like that, that he wants to try and, and mix with other uh, potions that he has. Uh, and he actually finds as, as it's sort of starting to get like uh, mid dusk right now, there's like these moths coming out with these kind of like bright yellow uh, wings. Mm-hmm. And he, he picks a few of them and he notices he remembers these, oh, these, these are Luna moths. He has seen these in the book and he knows that if he combines that with a certain um, some other ingredients that he has he can create a potion of invisibility which uh he hasn't been able to recreate since getting to skyrim mm-hmm. so uh he he finds a little uh like a like group of them takes a bunch of their wings and smushes them up puts them in his uh his satchel continues self uh taking this weird serpentine route and at this time it's starting to get pretty dark and he sees in front of him is uh is a a, like a big cliff and then to the left of that is a path that he knows heads up to the city of Riften. so he takes that path figuring uh he's still his right his left arm is still in like a lot of pain and he's feeling himself losing blood he's still bleeding uh and he knows he's resistant to poison so like going through the swamplands and he's no like brushed up against certain poisonous flora but he has a a pretty good resistance to that being an argonian (laughs) but he realizes that uh, losing blood is bad for for any it's bad for anything. So he needs to find himself a healer and and essentially beg because <laughs> he has no coin to give him, <laughs> and then maybe spend the night there in Rifton before figuring a way to get across the mountains uh, into Morrowind. So he's so even even though he he plans to go to Morrowind the next day, he's starting to feel a little road weary, almost like. You know, he's had a few brushes with danger. This most recent one has been the most yeah, dire. He did just get hoodwinked
0: by bandits. He's
1: realizing he's not the same without his, his armor. Mm-hmm. He, he's realizing if he's going to start traveling, he desperately needs to find some armor. But first things first, he needs to be healed of his wounds. So he wanders through Rift and eventually finds a temple to the goddess Mara, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, the now eight divine in Skyrim. Yeah. Uh, and finds a priest there and he walks in he's like hello excuse me and he just sort of motions and shows shows the the exposed flesh. and You can see maybe even like a little bit of tendon in the <laughs> bone. It's, it's deep. Uh, he caught like, the mace caught him in like where it did blunt damage. So it's like it bruised the immediate area like of his whole arm. And you can see like his scales are starting to mix with this odd sort of like like fleshy underside. That's kind of dark, not really like a human's. It's, it's got this weird quality to it. Uh, it's very like stringy and gamey looking. He just shows this to this priest who goes oh oh, <laughs> kind of recoils <laughs> the like oh same my my boy what just what has happened to you and so sings by moon basically tells him that he was attacked he was traveling he's here in town to meet uh, his his friend and on the road he just got attacked and so the the priest takes pity on him and offers to heal him for no cost and sings by moon puts on his best like schoolboy <laughs> Uh, act. And, oh, thank you very much. You, you have saved my life. Thank you so much. Uh, as he's about to leave, the priest kind of stops him and says, excuse me, boy, before you go, I believe it should be time that you are changing your wicked ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, Sings by Moon immediately just imagines, for a moment, how it would feel to just plunges dagger into the heart of that guy just immediately (laughs) just just how that would play out and how that would feel for for making such a comment for for even having the gall to Mm. to accuse him of something he knows he's guilty of but he knows that he is not really showing any signs Mm -hmm. uh if anything he's more taken aback by the insight of this of this priest for the first time in a while he doesn't act on a murderous urge uh he just sort of resists stands there in that moment and feels it for a second and then rationalizes that in his head immediately he has this sort of process of of, of he does something and then observes himself doing it and sort of tries to you know he's immediately thought thinks like oh, i don't want to kill this man but then gets this rational rationalization of like because of my self preservation <laughs> yeah and i'm trying to you know keep a low profile and get out of here i can't be murdering people willy nilly so uh, he leaves the temple just sort of giving the the priest a look and having no coin decides to find some cover from the rain so he heads down the way Riften is set up is it has um, it has like an upper section where there's like a marketplace district and then there's So you cross a bridge into the marketplace district from like the entrance of the town. Yeah. And under that, there's like a waterway. And then you can take a ladder from the upper section down into the waterway. And there's a sort of wooden path that like that's kind of goes in a circle around like the upper portion of the town. It's like built up. Um, on like the hills like the crested hills of the, of the landscape so he heads down there where there's cover because he's if he stay, keeps to that like wooden path he's under the cover of all the buildings from above so he is just destitute uh, he, he's not so much sleeping as he is just like kind of lying curled in this sort of like strange make, trying to make himself as unseen as possible so in this weird, weird strange position with nothing for for the first time he's starting to feel like it might not work. This whole thing, all of the luck he's had, all of the all of the moments of, you know, just like miraculous circumstances that ended up in him finding his freedom or you know maybe maybe reading too much into certain events they were all just luck they had no grander scheme or meaning and so penniless and uh feels better he's not um uh, he's not bleeding out anymore but just still completely broken for the first night maybe in his life he doesn't say any sort of prayer to Sithis. He just sort of sits there and flitters like in and out of sleep, until eventually the rain stops and the sun comes back up, uh, and he he's sort of having some 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 weird half dream like kind of almost like a daydream when you're when you're away when you wake up and then fall back asleep and then have some sort of like kind of weird vivid dream of this, of this like smoke and fog and just not no real clear images just gets this this feel this this like foggy hazy view and uh, a feeling of like security sort of like you've had a really really terrible day and really awful things have happened and you get to that point where you're exhausted and you almost feel not depressed anymore because you don't have the energy to and you fall into this gentle sleep he's in that moment for a second when all of a sudden he hears this like clanking of boots on the wood and boy boy uh as he opens his eyes and sees this this human standing in front of him in this kind of dark armor uh this guy with long long hair he's got this goatee kind of beard thing the man comments you what are you doing sleeping down here and he sees uh he just happened upon him realizing that he's in a a very strange state he offers him a hand up uh introduces himself as Brynjolf and at this moment Moon is sort of rubbing the sleep off of his eyes and realizes he's seen this guy before uh, and at the same time, Brynjolf realizes, oh, he's seen this Argonian before. Uh, in this brief ex- this brief moment, the last time he was in Riften, when he was on his way to the orphanage, Brynjolf had offered had offered Sings by Moon uh, just some sort of, it gave him some sort of beckoning, and Sings by Moon just, Phew, blew right by him. Brynjolf was like, oh, well, looks like you're on darker times now. How do you say we make good on that deal? And Sings by Moon is just. He doesn't want anything to do with this guy's shenanigans. Uh, and he realizes he's under cover and he he could potentially kill this guy and just push him right into the water, which is surrounding everyone. And But again, he resists for a moment and, and just sort of says, no, I, I have plans. I'm sorry. I cannot t- take part. Uh And so Brennioff says, just hear me out. All you have to do I'm gonna cause a distraction. I'm gonna go into the marketplace district and I'm gonna put on like a presentation like I'm trying to sell some amazing new product, okay? And you are going to go behind the like the shop front of this this Argonian who looks just like you. His name is Madsy. And you're gonna steal a ring from his lockbox. And then however you decide to, you're gonna plant that ring on another one of the shop keeps. And we're going to basically frame this this second person and get them thrown in in, in jail. Sings that moon is like, <laughs> why, why? He's confused as why this is such an elaborate plan, and why it's happening in the first place. So Alf explains that he's part of some sort of organization, and this um this shop this uh, shop owner has violated some kind of contractor deal that they had, and so this was the associate the organization's way of showing that they're not to be fucked with. So, again, Sings by Moon is just, ah am not, I do not, I'm not interested. And he says, Come, it, it, Burning Off is like, it's going to be so easy. You're stealing a ring from an Argonian, the only Argonian in town besides yourself, and you're planting it on the only dark elf in town. And Sings by Moon hears, oh, a dark elf? And just sort of, there's this moment <laughs> of, of a brief silence until Sings by Moon just sort of... Let's fucking do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, last time for Nilfane, he had gone through a series of of unfortunate events. Um... He got through a series of unfortunate quests. And uh, he, had, he had, had a botched assassination. He had failed uh, an attempt to burgle the Jarl of Whiterun. Mm-hmm. And he had just decided that he was leaving behind the Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves' Guild for now. He didn't really know what to do. He kind of rides off into the fields west of Whiterun. The story ended last time with him finally seeing the Khajiit target that yes. he had been tracking for the longest time. This one contract. He, Before this, he kind of had thought that he'd given up on not only the contract, but the Dark Brotherhood. Right. But then he spots him while in this state of kind of confusion and change that he just thinks, I, I have to do this. This, yeah. is, this is some sort of this is some sort of it's the great white buffalo. This is the great white buffalo. So this is this is where perhaps his spiral of chaos began. That's what he starts to think. Everything had been in order. Everything had made sense for him in his life. Uh, In his tasks until he wasn't able to complete this this one thing and then from then on it seemed like everything started going downhill so he thinks that the perhaps that this this missed contract was where the chaos began but in a way this same event spiraled him out of control spiral him into chaos but it wasn't because he missed it it was because he found it now so Uh still surging with the adrenaline from his fight with the troll Uh, and in some ways with a lot of confusion because of this excitement that he has because in all of his hunts previous to that, he'd, he'd never experienced an, an exhilaration in battle. So he's he's experiencing right. excitement, confusion, and also kind of shame for his enjoyment of it, since it's it's kind of changing his beliefs. So he's experiencing all of these things, and he's ridden up onto this high ledge, and he and, and the night is perfectly silent. And he looks out on the road far below, and he spots a traveler in the distance. And he just knows that's the Yeah, He's been thinking about this guy. More than he cares to admit. This guy has been plaguing him in the back of his mind. This this, this Khajiit trader or traveler. He doesn't even really know that much about him. But he travels with this caravan. He sees the caravan off in the distance. He sees this Khajiit. He's wandered off into the bushes to have a piss or something. And his name is Maran Drew Joe. I'm not going to say that again. But yeah. <laughs> that's this Maran that's, Drew Joe? Maran Drew Joe. Whatever. Drew, Drew It's very difficult to say. But he's been looking for this Khajiit for months. And there are no doubts. He just, he knows this is the dude I'm after. So he just, he quickly heads for the road. He, he pulls Shadowmere's horse down. So starts riding down the ridge trying to kind of like contain his excitement. But he's like, this is, I'm going to set things right. I'm going to go kill this dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hand in the contract and I'm going to set things straight. So about half a mile back, he 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 kicks his horse off in the opposite direction. He doesn't want you know the 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 clatter the clatter of hooves and and Shadowmere has been known to kind of join him in battle because he's a you know evil dark he's, nightmare he's steed. So he kind of kicks him off in the other direction. He just rolls right off of his horse and he starts just just crouching up the road, just moving. He's got his bow out. He's ready for this. He's shrouded in darkness and and it's the wind is is stirring every once in a while, kind of muffling his movements. Uh, and he knows as he's getting closer and closer, he's like that's my target. Now, after all this time, he's on the hunt. This is what he he's good at. Mm-hmm. He stalks forward, quiet as a shadow. The Khajiit wanders back to the road now after having his, his piss or whatever it was. Uh, he's walking. He's kind of lazy and road-weary and utterly unaware of what is about to happen. Uh, the rest of the caravan has now moved up Further away, uh, Nilfane can kind of see them get it growing further into the distance, and uh, the, this Khajiit is just sort of, you know, lazily following behind, not too concerned about it, and this is obviously the perfect opportunity. This one hanging thread is finally about to be taken care of, this thing that he's been been, been nagging on him. So here we have an assassin, Nilfane, who at one time could walk straight into a village in broad daylight and execute a target in front of his neighbors without anyone noticing. Here we have an assassin who could kill an emperor without hesitation, even though that failed. And here we have an assassin who cannot remember his first kill because killing has never been something to remember or reflect upon. But here, we also have a man who has begun to change. So faced with this adrenaline and and this fear, and in a weird kind of deeper thing that's now almost a hesitance to kill, Mm -hmm. you know, it's always been so easy. And now it's amidst all that, Nilfane makes a very terrible error. So from the side of the road, he lines up his shot, no issues, pulls back the bow, Fires the arrow. He, he picks his, his best arrow, one of his dwarven arrows, lets it fly. One shot, one kill, right through the kajit's neck, through the Whoa. back. Drops him down. No issues. Nilfheim's already moving forward to confirm the kill. Pull the arrow out, and he's expecting this immense wave of satisfaction to hit him. Even as a player, I kind of had that a little bit. Uh-huh. So I was like, finally, this this is. I just want to just say. I didn't have this as like a quest marker or anything. I had just been riding around, and I finally ran into him, so I was like, no way. And, and that's, you,
1: and Chris, the guy, I was like, that's fucking yeah, him. Nice. Is, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it really happened. So he, I just, you know, I'll, basically what I'm about to tell you is exactly how it happened in the game. I love it. So Noflane runs forward, and he's about to retrieve the arrow from this dead Khajiit, finally confirming it, finally acknowledging that this is, this is over with. Expecting this wave of satisfaction, but that wave never comes. It's only then that he hears the sound of hooves. So he kind of looks behind him and he sees his own horse, but his own horse is not riding up by itself. It's being led by a vigilant of Stendar. Oh. Now those are the, they're kind of like paladins. They yep. serve the god Stendar. And uh, they're, one of their expressions is walk always in the light or we will drag you to it. And and this man is leading this like shadowy horse just like what the hell is going on? Very confused about the situation. Um, and that's when he he spots Nilfane just crouched in the middle of the road over this body, over this Khajiit and vigilance of Stendar Don't wait to ask questions. This guy pulls out his mace and just starts running at Nilfane. He understands, you know, I just, I just passed that Khajiit caravan a few minutes ago. None of them were dead. (laughs) Like this, this isn't right. Like, so he, he runs up and um, and battle just ensues. Nilfain no is forced to, you know, he, he fires off an arrow, it's deflected, he pulls out his swords and just immediately starts clashing and, and slashing and trying to take this guy out as fast as he can. But he wasn't expecting this. He, for once, was actually caught off guard. It wasn't like when he was set up by the Emperor's guards or whatever and they had all were waiting for him. That was almost different, because this time he was so sure. He was, he was waiting for that sense of relief. He had just gotten this kill, finally. He hasn't even pulled out his arrow yet. And this guy attacks him and there's just, like the clashing of steel because the sword's on plate mail. And eventually, he's finally able to, to get his swords up underneath this guy's helmet and just slash his throat. His head goes flying. Nice. And that's it. And it's just this gore fest. <laughs> yeah. This, this vigilant of Sindar drops and his armor clanks to the ground. You know, and they're on this cobblestone road. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Out in the middle of nowhere, but it's it's a quiet night. And now that the wind has died away, he hears somebody else coming. And he turns over, and there's this female Khajiit standing just over the body of the male kijit that he had just killed. I'm not gonna to attempt to say that name again. Uh
1: Mary. I'll call him.
0: She's call yeah, Mary so Mary's laying there and his <laughs> his female cat lady friend is just standing there looking at him and then she looks up at Nilfane and she's not even armed. But she she's just standing there like kind of glances at, at the body, glances at Nilfane, sees the vigilant of Stendar just completely decapitated, still gushing blood. She looks back at the caravan behind her, opens her mouth and Nilfane has no choice. He charges her, just cuts her down. Oh. And it was She's she's not wearing armor. She didn't have a weapon. She's not she's not a a fighter of any in any sense. So uh-huh. it was just the, it was just the slash, like butter. That was it. It just cut right through her, and she just crumples. Her body just lies a few feet away from her dead friend. So the wind howls, and then it falls silent again, and that's it. There's just quiet. There's dark. There's some crickets that he can hear off somewhere. His his horse kind of behind him somewhere, and that's it. There's just now three corpses where. Five minutes ago, he had just been riding his horse through the dark, kind of processing emotions and, and trying to take in his his new experiences of this hesitance to kill, this strange sensations that he's been feeling, and now he's standing over three bodies. And he looks down at this, this female Khajiit, and he just, he feels bad for the first time in his life. He feels he feels bad about something that he's done. He feels a pang of guilt, or he, he, he maybe has felt it before, but he's never really understood it until now. And now he's just standing in the road, three corpses at his feet, and he just decides he's he can't do he can't do this shit anymore. He does he's not gonna not gonna turn in his contract and make money off of this, which is what he's been doing this whole time. You know he's dressed in he's got good armor, he's got good weapons, he's he's made something of himself by killing and stealing, but now he he just he can't do it. So he he sheaths his swords, not wiping the blood off, just puts them away. Calls his horse, gets on, rides off in the opposite direction. He doesn't want to ride past the, the caravan when they realize that two of their members are dead. That's not something that ever would have bothered him before. I told the story last time of walking into a town, killing a guy, and then walking right back out. Just in front of everybody, not not worried about it. But now Nilfane is just absolutely... He feels he feels different now, and he feels angry. Anger is not really something that he's that he's used to, but he, he feels it. And so a few nights pass like this, of him riding just anywhere he's not he doesn't have a destination he's staying away from cities he's just sort of going every once in a while he'll he'll run into a um a ruined fortress or a bandit camp and now he used to avoid those things now he's charging right in and just cutting people down or shooting them from the shadows he's just he's acting and he doesn't really know why it's almost as if to to fight the guilt that he feels he's like doubling down on his actions Mm -hmm. it's just it's a few days of confusion until he finally starts to settle down again and then it's a few nights later. I think it was two days had passed of just sort of riding around and and just doing things. So a few days have passed, and and he sees this this ruined tower off of the distance. Night is growing dark, and he, he he sees up on that tower. There's a little bit of a flicker of light and some smoke, you know, lilting into the air. And he smells the some supper cooking, something, and he thinks, "I'm that's where I'm going." And it's not a uh, I'm gonna go kill that person or like steal their food. It's just he remembers being in the Thieves' Guild. He's starting to remember these, I guess it's like human parts of him. Parts of him that aren't an assassin. Parts of him that are a living creature. Mm-hmm. And he he almost wants to seek some sort of comfort. So he sees that flicker and he uh, he rides up, You know, leaves his horse down below. He's he's kind of, it's like he's risen, resenting his own isolation. He's, he's resenting what what this isolation is doing to him. He's gone back under this, not a rampage, but he's just, just he's not acting appropriately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he... he Climbs this tower. He still sneaks up because he, he's got be, he to be sure. Yeah, he doesn't want to get caught. Yeah, he's not trying to get pinched. Um, hoping that it's just, you know, some farmer on his way somewhere or a traveling trader or a hunter. But it's not any of those things. It's a necromancer. He can tell right away. Ooh-hoo. There are bones and, and paraphernalia and just these strange artifacts strewn about. And sure enough, there is a, a rabbit cooking over a fire. But this woman is sitting there and she's got on her black robes. There's a, there's a corpse lying behind her. And Nilfain is just these, these defilers of death, you know. This, this makes his stomach turn. He draws his blades and then he stands. He doesn't he doesn't shoot an arrow from the shadows or sneak up on her or take her down. He wants her to know that he's there. Mm-hmm. And he draws his swords and he looks at her. Uh, and this necromancer sees him and, and she turns for a fight and she summons her thrall. Uh, she casts whatever spell, some purple light comes out of her hand. And the corpse behind her rises up and Nilfain sees the corpse. Just just as he's charging to fight them, he sees this this corpse rise and come back to life, and he realizes that it's the female Khajiit that he killed two days before. What? This this no way. innocent creature, this this woman, is back, and and she's undead. She's undead, and now he he's still he's already in the motions of what he of what he's doing. He he charges them both and just slashes, swirls his blades around. He kills the necromancer, slashes through the thrall, and then suddenly. The woman drops. Just he has got a long enough look at her to know that's the same woman. Oh. She drops to the ground and just turns to ash, and that's it. So he's—he's he's left now. This is—I had him before, kind of doubling down on the actions that made him feel guilty, going off and killing these bandits and and sort of just going a little wild on on, on hunts, and now it's doubling down on the actual guilt. He. This is this woman killing this woman was what caused these feelings what caused this regret and now he just did it again in a way he just freed her from on death mm-hmm. and that idea sort of sticks in his head that you know she would have been this necromancer's thrall until somebody else came and killed her or something but in a way he starts to try to rationalize that maybe as, as awful as it was to have to kill her twice maybe killing her the second time was the best thing that he could do at this point at least now she's gone right her soul is no longer controlled by some by some necromancer. At least he does he assumes not. Right. There's plenty of soul gems around. She could be trapped in there somewhere. He doesn't know. Ooh. But he, he kind of he just sits. He hunkers down on top of this tower. He looks at the food and he thinks, you know, he was just hungry a few minutes ago and now he can't eat. So he doesn't bother to look around anymore. he, he heads down the tower. And decides he just needs to keep going. He doesn't know what he's gonna do. Soon there is this there is this now this weird thought in the back of his head about how the one good thing that he's done was freeing her from undeath. And he remembers hearing some rumors about an organization forming the Dawn Guard. Oh, okay. That sort of deals with undeath with vampires. That's sort of their whole mission. But he he has been propositioned by them before. They're always looking for new recruits. The, the vampire attacks in Riften, he's been there for them. But that's never been something he's really been concerned about. That's none of his business. He doesn't really care. And yet this having to kill somebody twice, that doesn't make any sense to mm-hmm. whose Death is final. Death is constant. Death isn't a necessary evil. Not really an evil. It's just its just part of life. Death is part of life. And yet he just had to kill this woman twice because death wasn't permanent for her. So mm-hmm. this idea of, of hunting undead things starts to, starts to sound good to him. But just as he gets to the bottom of the tower, as if he'd been waiting for him this entire time, a Pentitus oculatus agent charges at him from the woods. Mm-hmm. These agents, these these guards of the emperor, who attacked him in solitude, you know, a few weeks back when he was still operating with the Dark Brotherhood. This man, this just lone soldier, charges at him from the woods, wow. calls him by name, and attacks him. And he's just like he, he can't believe it. This this man has been either pursuing him since solitude Mm -hmm. tracking his movements or has somehow come upon him but he realizes this man knows his face and knows who he is and was waiting at the bottom of the tower for him this was this was no accident this man came for him Hmm. so it's as if after everything after everything he's tried to do he can't let go of his past and he can't be free from his actions he's been free from his actions for this whole time he's never had to face any punishment Mm -hmm. other than now it's just he's kind of damning himself with guilt, but he's never, like, never gone to jail.
1: Right. You know, he's, he's
0: still free. He's barely ever even been hurt in combat. He fights his way out of everything. And now, um, now this penitus Oculatus agent just charges him and he, and he has to fight him. And it's, it's not a, it's not an easy fight. It's a, it's a battle to the death. Their swords are clashing and this man is just, going at him with all he's got he's going at him like a man who's just spent two weeks hunting him down just mm-hmm. like how nilfane spent weeks hunting down this khajiit and couldn't find him this penises oculatus agent spent weeks hunting him down and couldn't find him and now they're finally just engaged in this wow. battle and nilfane doesn't know who this man is at all he didn't know he was pursuing him but he understands what this man is feeling he fights him off and and just like everybody else he he's able to defeat him he you know, knocks his sword out of his hand and plunges his sword through his chest and that's it. He leaves another dead man in the road for the umpteenth time. Mm-hmm. He's lost track of how many dead men he's left in the road. And he, he really starts to realize, you know, he's not a ghost. He's accountable for his actions. And he has to do something about that.
1: Thank you for listening to episode three of the pretenders guild again you can find all of our content uh on twitter at pretenders guild right and you can find our link to our website and our show notes mm-hmm. Again, please send us any of your submissions or anything. Yeah, we want to hear your
0: stories. Hopefully, we can start uh, either adding those in at the end, or maybe do a special episode if we we have enough submissions. I'd love to hear. We would love to hear what kind of stories you guys have, what kind of things you do in your game. Even if it's not Elder Scrolls, if you have some other um, games that you like to role play in or or role playing experiences in D and D or whatever it is.
1: Yes, please by all means. We
0: love to hear the stories that are crafted out of these games. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of what my story. Or what I told in my story came from just gameplay moments. That Pendisus Oculatus agent really came for me. Um, mm-hmm. The Necromancer really did summon a dead female Khajiit. I don't know if it was the same one, but that's kind of how right. I projected it. Yeah, of course, that's um, the point. I, yeah, I didn't. I honestly didn't make a whole lot of that up. It was just the game allowing things to happen. So if you have stories like that, we'd love to hear them. Uh, and with that, thanks for listening.